ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Hello, everybody, and uh, no, no, just come on. Uh, okay, now you can go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Chris and Andre show. This is episode 59. Um, Chris kind of messed up my mojo there. So um, I'm Andre. And I'm the Chris that messed up his mojo. Uh, we're, we're glad you're with us. Um, there are some heavy things I want to talk about later on, but... Let's talk about technology. I didn't tell you I updated my Wi-Fi, right? You started to tell me. I think we did we talk about it last week. I don't remember. We talked about it briefly at some point because um, you w- went to the mesh, yeah, system. Yeah. Which one did you end up getting again? Uh, the TP-Link Deco M5. Okay, that's right. How's it going? I like it. It's really a good experience. Oh, yeah. I mentioned it because I messed up my whole network. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. Okay. (laughs) It was a nightmare. Um, Yeah. When you're like, I guess when you have like a lot of tech stuff going on in your house, you just can't add a new router. Like you're actually committing to some time. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's been a good experience. That's a, I mean, that's true. That was my experience with the upgrading to the google uh wi-fi the mesh system um and i went with the two router points uh as my access points mm-hmm. because the with the google system like the the separate access points don't have a wired connection like it's only established through wi-fi which i just don't trust first off um and then second I wanted to be able to have a wired connection off of that, you know, to then be able to run additional devices and stuff. Because I think much like you, I've learned Wi-Fi is cute and great for your Wi-Fi only devices, but even your laptop is better suited hardwired to your internet. Yeah, and I kind of cheated my system a little bit. I have a uh, Netgear AC1200 uh, extender that I was using to uh, provide Wi-Fi for my second floor, technically my third floor if I include the basement. And um, I still, actually, wait a minute, I just killed that too. Um, why did I kill that? Huh. How, many, how many access points do you have on the TP link? I have three. Yeah. Well, then I, why why would you need the? Um, yeah, that's a, well because I the reason why I killed it was I moved some hardware ah. as I was shuffling things. So I had another standalone desktop in my office. So all right, please don't judge me, people listening. But <laughs> um, too late. I'm not the normal computer user, um, and for like. For desktops that do any server stuff, I like them to have a wired connection. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, I do enjoy it. It's actually a pretty consistent and good experience all the way around. Well, that's good. Yeah. 
I mean, I've I have been uh, thrilled. Like, I mean, I, I I can't think of a problem that I've had with my Google Mesh system so far. You know, like it's yeah. been so easy to maintain and manage the app that you know you can basically manage everything from the Google Home app. Um, it's yeah, it was really easy to set up, you know, and it was a little different because of the two router. You know, the second one basically sets up as a, um, it's because it is like you set it up as an access point, obviously right. not as an as an individual router, but yeah, I mean, you know, going from one like I can be here in my office on the the lower level go upstairs to the main level in the living room where the other access point is and then go back up to the bedroom where I'm coming back to this access point and it's like seamless. Like you have no interruption or anything like that. Um, So, yeah, but I'm glad to hear that you like yours too. My parents got one and theirs has been okay. I, I can't remember... It might have been a Linksys system or something like that that they got, but um, Netgear. Yeah, I had a Linksys router uh, switch, and um, the I'll probably never buy another Linksys device because of my experience, because uh, port number one died. And when I called them for tech support, they're like, yeah, that happens. I'm like, but, it, <laughs> but it shouldn't. But it shouldn't. Like, we shouldn't be having this conversation. Um, and it just kind of pissed me off. I mean, uh, Linksys used to be the premier like brand, the go-to, right? Yeah. Like you had, if you had Netgear, you were just like, oh, <laughs> you, you trust <laughs> Netgear <laughs> to manage your Wi-Fi? Mm. But yeah, I mean, because like I remember my, you know, back in the day, it felt like your router would die like constantly, yeah. you know, and you were either on the phone with tech support. <laughs> oh the pain or you were out forking over another 150 bucks for a new router and then you got to go through the joy of coming home and setting it all up and thinking man this is the last time i'm gonna have to buy this router and then (laughs) six months later if you only knew right (laughs) i know right um Yeah, and I still, but I still have some de- actually four devices plugged into my main AT and T router because I just need to, like my Plex server. I mean, I'm uh, the same way. Like, I, you know, yeah. even because I, my main Google router is in the living room, and so I like the TV that was in there, which was a smart TV, had a hard line in. Uh, my when my Xbox was in there, that was hard lined in. I had one that then runs upstairs for a hardwire connection for anything you know up there basically it was the tv um and then the other one that runs downstairs here to then connect to the second access point right and then i've got a, a port or a switch here that i run so that i can then have as many connections as i mean i got you know seven additional connections down here yeah uh, I, I think, uh, and again, we live in Disney world. I get that. Um, but it's just a matter of like efficiency. Right. Uh, and I think the tech, like I remember when mesh systems were coming out, they're like, 
starting at like 500 bucks. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a commitment. <laughs> so, uh, but now they're pretty, you know, uh, diamond dozen, you can probably get a good, decent system for, I looked at the Google one and I saw that there were issues with AT&T's network. So that's why I went with the TP link. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could see that. And, you know, obviously being a Google fiber user, customer, yeah, customer then yeah. that was much easier to be like, okay, <laughs> this damn well better work <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> or else you and me are gonna have more problems than just that google yeah so uh i've been pretty pleased with it it makes a big difference um like i never told well maybe i did tell you like in my house i do have the external antenna but um tra- there's we had a couple of uh, outlets put in for like my kitchen and my master bedroom, but we move the TV in the room and there's no outlet there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there's an out, a built-in outlet, but it's on the wall where we put the TV at. So I actually watch live TV through my Plex server mm-hmm. because I have a, a TV tuner card and um, just a lit, like there's little to no buffering. Once the channel starts to tune in and Plex feeds it to whatever TV it's going to, you know, use. So that's a, you know, it's a minor difference, but it's a huge difference. Um, yeah. So it's, a, it's overall a good experience. So if you haven't bought a mesh system, I would recommend looking, you know, looking into one. I mean, you were talking about pricing. I don't remember the exact, you know, price tag that I paid for the one that I, I got with the two access points from Amazon, but I want to say it was less than $300. Yeah. You know, um, and I mean, I, you're right. Like that, that is a very Disney world, uh, less than $300. <laughs> I'm not saying like, you know, just go, but if you got your stimulus check and you, know, you don't know what else to do with it, then and your Wi-Fi sucks in your house. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no time like the present to invest in that. Am I right? <laughs> like, well, the, I will say like, I have coverage for 5,000 square feet, but I do not live in 5,000 square feet. I'm a little bit over 2,000. But you know how it is. I mean, it's like they say coverage for up to 5,000 square feet, but really the ideal (laughs) is more in the two to 3,000 square foot range. And then it also depends whether or not you're talking vertical versus, you know, horizontal. And that's, I mean, that was part of my deal here um, because of the split level I had traditionally had the other wired access point because I used to have one of those range extenders as well that was upstairs in the bedroom um, because that was where I had the hardwire run initially. But when I got the second access point, I was like, no, I'm not making that mistake again because the signal doesn't like going down as much as it likes going up. And I was like, I'm going to put it downstairs where it can then broadcast up and out from there. And so, I mean, again, it was like I bought probably, I think it was like a 40 or $50 box of outdoor Ethernet cable um, right. and then just ran it underneath the house as far as I could and then went through outside a little drilling through the mortar and the brick to get in. But, you know, it was that, now my house that, is hardwired for Ethernet. So Yeah, that's smart, though. I mean, like, um, huh, that's pretty smart. I like to think so on occasion. <laughs> Although I did buy like six different brick drill bits before I finally found one that could actually get through the brick. 
Yeah, drilling through brick is no joke, man. Like um, No, that is like some serious I had the same problem installing my ring doorbell because it's an all brick surround there by the front door where the ring doorbell installs. And so, really? yeah, like the old doorbell was installed in like cuz it's got one of those, you know, the all glass storm doors that's on the front. Right. And it has like this tiny little piece of metal flashing between the edge of the hold storm. On, hold on one second. Yeah. No, I did not. She did, I believe, in the afternoon. Okay. I love you. Come on. <laughs> this is real, man. That's right. Not going down. That out. <laughs> But you had a glass frame uh, storm yeah. door. So there's this tiny little piece of flashing, you know, that goes between the storm door frame and the brick that's right there. And that's where they installed the old little tiny push button doorbell, right? So they right. cut out this tiny little piece of the flashing and they screwed it in. Well, that thing was broken to begin with. And so initially, like I left that because I didn't want to mess with it. And I just installed the ring doorbell over on the side and kept having to undo the battery and install, you know, and recharge it and then reinstall it, which is a huge pain. Yeah, not worth it. So I was like, forget this. I ripped the old one out and ran the wires over. And I had this whole elaborate plan for how I was going to cover up the wires. And I've never gotten around to actually doing that. <laughs> so it looks a little like... Janky. janky but <laughs> it works so i'm not super sad about it like it is what it is yeah i actually uh we when we got our um video doorbell our security company put it in and um this yeah, is the, this because is, this is like i mean this is the difference between me and you like you buy an antenna and, a, and a, like a you know or tv antenna and you pay somebody to come install it. I buy a TV antenna and think I can install that myself. And then it sits in a closet for like a year and a half before I eventually have to just get rid of it because I, I give up. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's actually a very accurate point, but I also know, like, I, I think, all right, this goes back to the comment you made a couple of weeks ago. Like I probably have a spreadsheet for gas. <laughs> Yeah. So everything I bought, I think about its second life and, and, you know, the doorbell is like, Oh, we have a security system and, you know, let me shop around and see what is CPI offering and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. Um, that's, that is what I did. So I'll tell you, uh, some great advertising that they have in during the holiday seasons, because my kid was begging me for a CPI <laughs> alarm system just so that she could try and catch Santa Claus. Really? Yeah. Cause they had that commercial where it was like the two little kids that are staying up on the tablet all night watching the security cams. And so she was like, can we get CPI? Cause I really want to catch Santa Claus this year. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no. Yeah. My whole house is wired for, and it's not, I don't live in a bad neighborhood. I just kind of like, yeah, you just have trust issues. I understand. Yeah, I do. I, I do. I literally like, and I want to be Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Bruce Wayne, um, I watched um, 
the Justice League Snyder Cut. And? Wow, is all I can say. No, that, that's not all you can say. It was four hours. It was a commitment. Was it worth it? Wow. Yes. Okay. Thank. You. Like a yes or no is needed there. Wow does not because like it could be wow. <laughs> yeah, it could be wow. Like definitely. God, wow. I can't believe <laughs> I spent four hours. Seriously, like it was that be- that much better. Yeah. So it shows that Josh Whedon should never like um, pick up somebody else. Josh else's... Whedon. That's his name, right? No, his name Joss? is Joss. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, his name is Josh now. Joss. Yeah. <laughs> Change your name. It's complicated. Um, <laughs> that's that's not my wheelhouse. You know that. Don't don't judge me. Um, it that was the movie. The Snyder Cut was the movie they should have released. It actually tied together. Although Batman versus Superman was meh, and Man of Steel was like, huh? The Snyder Cut Justice League made it just a lot better. Stop. Yeah, you're telling me that you think. The studio should have released a four-hour-plus cut of a movie for the very first installment in this franchise. Well, technically, it would be the third. No, it wouldn't technically be the third. Don't start with me. That's not what, you know what I mean? Like, like, okay, yeah, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but there are specific Avengers movies, right? So, but remember, Man of Steel... Set up Batman. No, versus- I understand, but that's what I'm saying is like this was the first Justice League movie, right? Just like the first Avengers movie was the one in New York, right? The first so- Marvel Cinematic Universe. You could go back to to Iron Man, right? And I understand that, but that's what I'm just saying is like this was the first one of this specific title series that they're doing, and you think it should have been four plus hours? So it would have been two two parts, right? Not all in one sitting, because I, w- I would not have watched it in the theater. Um, so I would have rather had Justice League 1 and then Justice League 2 and, you know, finish that run out that way. Yeah, that should have been the movie they released. They would have killed it in the box office. You think that half of that movie would have been good? Yeah. Dude, I literally watched the whole thing. I, I know took, you did, but I'm I took, just, I'm, it was so good. And I saw the, the uh, theatrical cut. I would pause it to take a bathroom break. Like that's how good it was. Like I didn't just let it run through and it's like, yeah, I didn't miss anything. There are very few films that I watch for the first time that I'm like, oh, I totally do that. <laughs> like, I have no, I have no remorse. Okay, but you, I mean, no offense, but I feel like you also have a lower threshold for what you will start. (laughs) Like what, like the type, like, and I only say that because of what I see, like show up on Plex and I'm like, no, I don't want to watch that. And I'm like, I know he's watched it. Like he doesn't, he's not going to download it if he's not going to watch it. He's watching it at some point or he's getting ready to like, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> unless I specifically requested it. <laughs> like, uh, I actually downloaded, uh, what is it called? Or, uh, I don't want to say down. Well, I did it. Uh, you added to your Plex library recently. Yeah. Office space. Legally. Yes. 
But, the Chris and Andre show would like to remind all listeners that everything they mention is for comedic purposes only. Yeah. It should not be taken in any serious nature. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to add that as like a freaking bumper that I yeah. just stick in every now and then. But yeah, so I haven't watched it yet, but I'm like, okay, I need to watch that. I watched uh, another thing that's been enhancing my movie, like, like watch list has been uh, everything wrong with because some things I'm like, yeah, okay. I definitely got to watch that. Movie what was now. the movie that you said you hadn't watched yet, but you did down or lit or legally add to you. <laughs> 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 was it, it was office space, office like, space. It, right. Because yeah. we were talking about it last yeah. week. Right. Okay. Yeah, and I, I was like, I got to see that movie. Speaking of which I do have my red swing line stapler here. For oh. those. You'll, you'll get it when you get around to it, but. Um, <laughs> this came from E area. Oh yeah, yeah. Good I took this e. from uh, Cupcake. Oh, that was his. But he went on leave, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna take that. That's mine. This name. this episode has been brought to you by E area. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we may we uh, may have some. I don't know. I don't want to reveal too much. <laughs> Before it actually potentially happens, but there are some exciting things potentially in the work. So that's all yeah. I'll that's all I'll say for right now. But yeah, I think the Snyder cut should have been released. Do it in two parts. They would have it would have been a home run. I don't know. I mean, look, I'm I am not I haven't seen either. Okay. I haven't seen any of the Justice League movies because uh, right. I, I just I don't know I guess in part because Man of Steel looks so unappealing to me from just just from the trailers and stuff I ne- again never watched it so I'm not saying that it's a bad movie but the way that they positioned it I just was not there wasn't anything that really pulled me in and so and this is a dude that grew up as a huge Superman comic book fan. Like that was right. my comic book that I collected was Superman comics. But I also feel like at some point I just kind of went, all right, well, that was then. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned. I I don't know. And so, but like, you know, I mean, I was, I liked like the uh, the Christian Bale, uh, you know Christopher Nolan, like Batman series, like I mean, so I they had an opportunity, but Ben Affleck wasn't going to do it. Like I, I mean, Robert, I think... Robert Pattinson, and I'm not saying he can't be a good Batman, but again, like you're not you're not getting me to go see that movie. Getting Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, like yeah. I'm going to see that movie, right? Like, I mean, there's just certain things where I feel like Marvel made such amazing decisions casting-wise that helped to fuel the growth of the franchise, whereas DC, maybe even to a fault of, like, trying to trying to stay too close to the source material has kind of, like, hamstrung itself in... And I know it's not like it's, like, they're... It's not it's like not one can only apples. exist, but you know it's not apples to apples. I think that I was questioning Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, right? I literally did. Sure. But then when I started to see like the trailers, I'm like, yo, he looks like Tony Stark. Yeah. 
And then when you see the performance, you're like, he yeah, is Tony Stark. <laughs> like, like, there's no better way to put that, right? Yeah. Michael Keaton is Batman. Get out of here. He's balding. Um, he's balding. He's short. Look, I from but I appreciate Affleck, I appreciated Michael Keaton as Batman strictly from a nostalgic perspective, right? right? Like looking back on it now, yes, I I understand what you're saying. But Ben Affleck, yeah. is a hell of a Bruce Wayne. Like, but is he, he a good Batman? I better think, than Christian are, Bale. Are, let me. Oh, all right. Now we're just we're into it, so we might as well. Do we need to do like a top five Batmans? Well, top five is Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, and you're done. No, I mean Adam West isn't in there anywhere. No, I never liked the campy Batman stuff. Like, I, I just can't sign on to that. Uh, Michael Keaton, because he was the first. What about, right? uh, we can even throw in the animated series. What's the guy oh, who, who did no, the No, those voice? don't count. That's a whole different, that does, that cannot even be a thing because uh, Will Arnett has got one of the dopest takes on the Batman voice. While, okay, uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, throw Will Arnett it, it, in it there can't, then. It can't be, it's, that's not fair because DC's animation is fantastic. They do a great job of it. And their their animated universe is by far like we don't understand really, what what because the the, the you're two, saying that it's not fair to the real live actors because the animated yeah, stuff because is so good the animated stuff is is almost a mirror of the comics. I right? mean, I it's, don't entirely disagree. I mean, like if we were gonna have a top five Jokers, like Mark Hamill is gonna be up there because of his voice portrayal in the yes in yeah. the cartoons, like yeah. I mean, like so, yes, like that medium again. I think it's right. It's easier to bring that vision to life in an animated format than it is in real life. Like because you're right. you so don't have those physical constraints, you know that that you have in real life. And that's a better. I think that's a better comparison. So I I would say that as far as a uh, a realization of Bruce Wayne, I think Ben Affleck is kind of like. He's Bruce Wayne. Okay, so then right. I I go back to the original question. If you okay, if you are we going to split it up? Who's a better Batman and who's a better Bruce Wayne? No, I would I would say this okay? because it was so. Then where does I mean is is Ben Affleck at the top of your list of live action Batman's? Yeah, actually, he is. And Bruce Wayne's. Yeah, over Christian Bale. I think, yeah, because uh, I think he did a passable Batman while Christian Bale did a. The story. A subpar uh, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, because, yeah, like the story in the Nolan series was better than the story in um, that Snyder was putting out. Right. Okay. Um, And actually, it wasn't even really a story. It was just really Batman versus Superman. I was more excited to see Ben Affleck as Batman because he kind of, he looks like a Bruce Wayne, right? He pulls that whole part off. They didn't go too deep in the whole, uh, there wasn't that much of a Bruce Wayne story to his movie. See, and I feel like Christian Bale fits that. I'm in my mind, like, and, and I have to, I have to be honest and be fair that I have not seen Ben Affleck's, Batman movies, so it, I can't really. I've I've only seen trailers and clips, so I'm not. Right. 
I'm not really including him in this, but my opinion of Christian Bale was that he was a really good, I thought he was a pretty good, maybe not really good, but pretty good um, Bruce Wayne. I don't think so. Like he doesn't look like Bruce Wayne. Like when you, when I envision, like when you look at the comics, right? And it's, for me, it's like, this is DC's problem, in my opinion. Okay. And, and, and I think that if they can figure this out, they'll be fine. Their, their stories have often flirted with the dark side of humanity. Right. And they've never tried to portray that in their films. Right. Um, until Batman versus Superman. And I didn't like how they, they adapted the story, but I like the fact that they're willing to address the fact that their stories haven't always been um, rosy. Batman's not a rosy character. He's got a lot of issues. Um, wait, I like wait, the fact. But would you say, I mean, you'd think that none of the Christopher Nolan films addressed that? Well, I, I don't think they've done it to the extent all, I mean, because I just feel like uh, the well, Dark yes, Knight with the Joker. Yes and, yeah, yes, that one, yes. So I wouldn't say that entire trilogy was. Yeah, I mean, uh, like uh, the Bane one was. Eh. Yeah, so didn't it really explore the problems that he had? But I, of, I often like give them a pass because that was the start of him becoming Batman, right? Yeah, I'm like, okay, I can see that. But I think that DC's problem, especially as they start started to make this new universe or their cinematic universe, is that they they didn't push that edge they, they didn't go to the ledge and say well let's try to you know touch on some of the more like uh the the, the reality of, of life right so if you really are superman what does that mean to like defend the whole planet do you snap somebody's neck sure okay and then they got flack for that i'm like yeah but he had to like end the whole thing like at some point he can't pussyfoot around with this guy zod has got to go down uh, Wonder Woman, same thing. I thought the first Wonder Woman was good to an extent. I thought 1984 was super meh. Like I, I was upset that I watched the whole thing. I thought Aquaman was it was Wonder lacking. Woman, not Superman. I'm sorry. You said super <laughs> meh, but it kind of ah, yeah, it was yeah, it was super meh. Um, I think I I do like where they were going with Man of Steel because that kind of gave some of the parts one of the best parts of the superman story like actually when i read it when i was younger was when he died because i hated i didn't hate superman I just wasn't a fan because he was too perfect um and yeah. i wanted to see him like get knocked on a peg um wonder woman she's badass and they softened her up um and i just didn't like that i you know and batman is batman he's got like more mental issues than the average person walking on the street. So to see the human side of these characters is part of the mythos, in my opinion. Uh, you can't take that out and just try to make a consumer grade entertainment movie and say it's a uh, it's a true superhero or true to the the mythology of the comics. And I, I think that the Snyder Cut addressed that issue for me. So I guess my question then is is the implication there that you think DC comics does a better job of developing or addressing those types of conflicts than Marvel does? No, I would actually say, um, 
I would say more like more completely, I think that certain characters in the DC universe can address those conflicts. I the reason why I don't like the Avengers as much as I like the X Men is because like uh, when you do like the history on where the X-Men came from, it came as a, um, a response to civil rights. And that's probably why I was drawn to some of the stories that, you know, kind of, like if you look through all the stories there, you can kind of see the threads they're trying to weave. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you look at the new mutants, if you look at uh, Excalibur and all the different comics they have, they have a much more rich storyline and they're not afraid to like, like touch those really uncomfortable social issues. Um, the Avengers were always like, uh, I, I, I always saw them as kind of a campy group, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I like the flaws in Tony Stark, you know, uh, depression, alcohol, alcoholism. Um, there's a lot of things that you can kind of, you can see those flaws from your heroes basically. And I, I think but that's you, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say there's, they both have their strong points. I don't like as many DC heroes as I, I do Marvel heroes or teams. Um, I understand why they went with the Avengers first. I, I just wouldn't have done that basically. You know, it's kind of like, eh, those are kind of boring stories. I don't really care. But you're saying that you would have chosen X-Men instead of Avengers. Yeah, they if there were no licensing issues. Okay. I right. would have chosen X Men. Yeah, right. That was that was going to be my yeah, but I'm not that you weren't aware of that. But yeah, just so to make that, sure that we touch on that. That yeah, yeah. So it's I think it's dope that Feige's trying to uh, make sure he introduces the X Men the right way. Right. I think it's dope that he wants to. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, like my wife was telling me the other day, you know, they're not real, right? I'm like, yeah, no, it's not real. Like, I, I totally get that. Um, the thing is seeing the stories come to life. Yeah. Right. That's what's impressive for me. Like that's as a kid, you wanted to see those stories come to life. Well, I think, yeah, uh, I mean, part of it, if, if I'm not mistaken, is something else that we've touched on in the past, which is that, you know, um, society, is going to take those steps before legislation, right? right? Like society will change before legislation causes like the need for it. Um, right. And that in a lot of ways, you know, entertainment and media is kind of positioned to help prepare people for those changes. Right. So we've talked about, the changes that you've seen in advertising and the couples, the diversity that's represented there and that sort of thing that, um, no, I'm trying to remember how I was putting those two things together. Um, but yeah, that, you know, uh, when you see that type of stuff being kind of, addressed in comic book form it i think in some case right inspires hope that you know this is the precursor to you know further societal change yeah it's it's having i'm gonna my lighting's weird and i have this <laughs> shine on my forehead you're good this is all live ladies and gentlemen <laughs> 
we only do one take. <laughs> and so um, it's actually having the conversation, right? So if you don't have the conversation, everybody kind of floats these ideas and these, you know, uh, big dreams around. And it's like, where do we start? Um, and I think that's part of the thing where, you know, when you look at Greek and, and Roman and Egyptian, Native American, um, Asian mythology, those stories kind of prompted people to think about bigger things, like 95% of the time. America has no mythology. The mythology that we have is all fairly new in our history, like World War II level. And that is comic books. So I think that, you know, historically you can watch those parallels, but like, it's interesting. Right. Um, I mean, and there's certainly a lot of, you know, um, underlying and even in some cases, direct uh, yeah. parallels, right. To mythology. I mean, Thor uh, and the, the idea of the, you know, <laughs> of all of that, but yeah, even yeah, Wonder those- Woman to some degree. Right. Yeah. And I just think that that's amazing. It's interesting how our behaviors as a society, they rarely, they rarely change. Um, We always look for something bigger than ourselves to help us to navigate our current situation or to find a way. And I'm just impressed by that. Um, And imagine being a kid in New York, right? And you get your first Batman comic or you get your first Iron Man comic. There's a picture that my mom has and we're in Connecticut and I'm wearing an Iron Man t-shirt. So I've got my arc reactor and I'm like doing this or something. And, and that, you know, just that connection to that hero is, is big for me. Right. There's something about this character that I identified with and to see that to come to life is kind of dope. Um, Same thing with Batman. It's and I think with Batman and uh, with and Iron Man and Spider Man, uh, the first two, they're humans that are able to do things that most people, you know, can't do, and they can keep up with the big boys. And with Spider Man, he was so young, and but he was always trying to be his best and failed a lot. So seeing those people or those fictional characters conquer those fears was huge for me. Uh, and I just think that as an adult now, I can look back and say, oh, that's why, you know, uh, Batman and Iron Man. Yeah, they were the average Joe. Well, not really, because they're both like paid, but they the were average able to keep... billionaire. <laughs> yeah, the average billionaire. Playboy philanthropist. <laughs> they were able to uh, keep up with the likes of Superman, the likes of uh, Wolverine, the, the, you know, and do all these yeah. fantastical things. So, yeah. Uh, the people who... Aside from their, you know, enormous wealth, essentially didn't have any other superpowers, you know, to speak of and were able to construct, you know, whether it be the the Iron Man suit or all of the gadgets and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and I think like for me, I don't know, I think. Maybe to some degree I got caught up in the whole Marvel versus DC, you know, like feud <laughs> that was going on. Yeah, that comic beef. Yeah, which makes no sense, you know, but it's like 
it's like so many things where these fandoms become fanaticism. Right. You know, and it's like, well, you can't like both. You have to choose one <laughs> or the other, right? Which I never really, but that's always very much seemed like that was kind of how it, how it's viewed amongst like the, you know, comic book elite, or at least like the nerdy asshole gatekeeper. Yeah, the the uber nerds, like they can, I, I, it's like for me, I, I kind of look at it as, yeah, some stories just don't connect to me. Like I really don't care. Aquaman. Aquaman in the comics is kind of dope, you know? Yeah, the um, movie, though. Uh, just the I way mean, he gets he gets played so much, man. It's like he's pretty badass. Like he's yeah, almost, he's just, almost as strong as Superman. Uh, it really like I, what I ultimately what I feel like happened is they signed Jason Momoa and that was where they stopped. They went, he's going to look great underwater or those scenes where he gets to come out of the water all wet. And that was it. Like beyond that, they didn't put a lot of thought into it. Granted, I mean, I think it's hard to do a an underwater movie like that, live action. Period. I just I think it's I think it's hard to accurately kind of capture that environment and like the the motion and stuff like that because ultimately looking back like even you know even what was that movie like four years old three years yeah. old like the cgi was good for the time but it's still like i mean you just you look at it and you're like okay yeah like everything here is computer generated like it, it was a thirst trap. It was. No, I mean, it absolutely, like, that was, we're going to get the women who want to see Jason Momoa. Like, that's all it really, but that's what I'm saying, was that as soon as they got him, everything was else done. was like, we don't have to worry about making a good movie. We're going to get our box office just based on that. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe he was better represented in the Justice League film. Well, I look at it this way. Um Aquaman the movie was a thirst trap. I think they tried to they really tried to set up the Aquaman movie in Justice League, right? So now it kind of makes more sense. Um I I think he's a good actor, right? He's not he doesn't have the notoriety or the or the fame that uh Dwayne Johnson has. But Dwayne Johnson is like throwing down a gauntlet because they're going to start filming or Black Adam black adam yeah and i'm like yo that's dope right but the reason why i say that is you look at vin diesel uh dwayne johnson jace momoa uh, my favorite canadian uh ryan reynolds, ryan reynolds. uh these guys have uh, even uh elizabeth olsen right once now some of them are, were comic book heads before then Right, like uh, the way that Ryan Reynolds has embraced the Deadpool character, and like that's his baby now, right? But once you start to, like, if you look at the other actors that follow after that, or in, that are not in that category, when they learn the stories, they start reading the stories, they get hooked. 
apparently Robert Pattinson wasn't into Batman before doing and filming the Batman. Yeah. But I think he's going to do a great job in the role. I'm not, that, I mean, and that's, that's the thing is it's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that he can't be a good Batman, you know, like, because I, I mean, you're right. Like Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man initially was kind of like a, really? I saw him in uh what's that, that Johnny did? Um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. Right? Wait, remember, was he in that? Or some some crap from the 80s, right? I mean, yeah, I he saw, was in a bunch of stuff from the 80s. I saw him in the 80s. I'm like, he can't be Tony Stark. And I'm like, oh, crap, he's Tony Stark, right? So that's the maturity of, like, and I don't know what it takes to be an actor or an actress. But I do know that some people, they're the right person for the role. Like, uh, uh now I can't say his name. Uh, Keanu Reeves. Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Keanu. Now I'm like, I want to say something else. I'm like, how do I say that again? But he, like John Wick wasn't the Matrix for me. It was John Wick. Yeah. It's like he's aged into, he's that guy, right? I've watched every John Wick movie. I'm like, yeah, that's bonkers right there. <laughs> like, yeah. But he's that guy. It's no wonder they keep asking him at Marvel, which role does he want to do? Right. Um, I wasn't a uh, man. We just said his name. He played Batman. Um, oh, gosh. Christian Bale. I wasn't a Christian Bale fan before uh, Batman. But I saw how he delivered on that role. I'm not saying he wasn't a good Bruce Wayne or a good Batman because I've watched each one of those movies at least 10 times. Yeah. But it's kind of like you, you start to see like those those types of movies can define a character. John Krasinski, right? I always thought of as a, as a kid from The Office, but when I watched uh, uh, that, yeah, uh, the, <laughs> the 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 prime, uh, gosh, Jack Ryan, Jack Ryan, I'm like, yo, that's my dude now, right? I totally rock with him. I don't see him as just the, the you know the dorky white kid from The Office. I still just see him as the dorky white kid from The Office. I can't. It, I have to reset because I'm like, yo, he's like totally an action hero right now. So I got to respect that. So those it's, I, I think that I will say this and I'm not like, I don't know the layers that you know about the, the movie industry, but I will say as a, as a end user and somebody that enjoys action movies, the superhero genre has changed the expectation and the level of, execution you have to have in these movies now i mean i think you're absolutely right and look i you know talking about like jason momoa and robert pattinson and these other you know actors who are taking on these roles the first i mean in a lot of people's minds the first two thor movies weren't great i mean the first one was pretty awful let's be garbage like i like dark world um I like Christopher Eccleston who played the bad guy. Um, and I, I just, I like that one. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I didn't hate it as much as everybody else did, but then I feel like you get to Ragnarok and it's like, you know, what, the what I love. I mean, like that is just one. It's still, I will watch that movie so many times. I just, I love that. And, and that's where I feel like, um, for Chris Hemsworth, 
it was the Avengers movies and being able to interact with the other characters that ultimately helped him to find the Thor character, you know? Like, I think it helped him to kind of feel where he was in that group, which then gave him direction. Because in the first couple of movies, it was just very much like, especially the first one, it was so... Try like it took itself way and that's it took itself too seriously and that's where I think Marvel has really maybe figured out something that DC has struggled with capturing, uh, which is that that balance between comedy and these human stories. You know, like that there are like these uh, these flawed beings they're not all humans but it's like these flawed characters coming together you know to solve this unstoppable problem and that there's still room for these like moments of the entire you know theater audience busting out laughing in the middle of an avengers movie you know like when uh Hulk picks up Loki and is just like smack, right? I mean, like that's classic. Everybody just dropping on the floor. Are you kidding me? He's doing that right now, you know, <laughs> puny god. Like, I mean, those are the you know, like, and and so I think for you know, I, I say all of this as a very long way of saying Chris Hemsworth eventually, I think, found the the role, you know, like figured out yeah. the character and how to kind of play it and is now able to balance between those more dramatic moments and deliver on that while still understanding like the general kind of ridiculousness that is the character Thor, you know, like imagine if this guy really did spend his whole life as a God and then comes to earth and is like, you know, dealing with all of these other crazy people and all of this stuff that's going on. Like, it's just, I don't know. Um, and I feel like that's maybe something that the DC universe, at least in the movies so far, has has not has not been able to hit on as much. I, I think DC has got good stories. Um, and I think that. And and granted, my my go to in DC is always going to be Batman. Right. You give me anything with Batman. And the, now the thing with Batman, even in the comics, there's like multiple storylines going at the same time. So there is a there is room for a Patterson, there is room for an Affleck, there is room for a Christian Bale, and that's okay, right? Um, the Flash, I mean, there there's they have good stories, but they have to figure out what they're. I, and w- what I will say with DC is they do a better job, in my opinion, on dealing with or or getting to the rough parts of humanity before Marvel. I think on a social level, Marvel gets to that well before DC. And it's not a, for me, it's, it's which story am I connected to? So I don't have a camp. Now I, I will say that DC animation is better than Marvel's because Marvel's is for the most part, garbage. Um, not garbage. I just don't like it. I'm not, I, they haven't really given me a good story. Um, I will say that the cinematic universe, like live action, this is happening right now. It's been like hands down Marvel. Yeah. I, I think there are a lot of good things from the Snyder cut that Marvel could, I mean, that actually both of them can actually say, yo, people like this, right? They want to see the flaws. They want to see the struggles. They want, it's not, a, your heroes are not always on their best game all the time. Yeah. Um, 
I also watched uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I have not gotten a chance to watch any of that yet. That's on my list. It's the example of what I'm saying. So Marvel is, they see it also. Like we don't, I don't want to see my heroes, even personally, like the people I call to give me advice. All of you guys have bad days, just like I have bad days. We're not always at our best. And that is part of the human struggle. And Falcon and the Winter Soldier for me is a good reflection of that. Um, See, and that's interesting because I feel like, you know, Captain America was a character that I never really got into in the comic book. But in the movies, I felt like, because he's somebody that I think, you know, like it was very easy in the movies to see his struggle with wanting to do the right thing you know, versus like what was the law or what was, you know, the rest of the group was wanting to do at the time and his kind of like internal struggle with that. Um, And that was something that I really started to identify more with and really appreciate that character and his kind of, you know, overall story arc. And so I've been really excited about the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um but it's been a bunch of early bedtimes lately <laughs> that have prevented us from getting into that yet. So, so how about you watch it? You're, you're going to have to watch two episodes before we do our next uh, podcast, but yeah. how about you watch it? We just do like a recap. That I, I, I think, I think honestly, like if, if the formula for like, gra- you know, grabbing an audience is reality. Like there, there are two things like right now that people can watch. Uh, this the Snyder Cut of the Justice League and Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, Life. Now it kind of coincides to our current reality, and this is where, like, unfortunately, well, it's not unfortunately. I'm freaking pissed, you know. Like, what our country is in this really, 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 really bad spot, you know. Like, uh, I have a I have a niece that's, you know, half Asian. And my my family is a kaleidoscope, basically. So when we start doing crazy things as a society, I, I have somebody that I love and care about that I have to worry about. The Atlanta thing set me back. Um, it's just like, what, 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 why is that a thing? And then Colorado yesterday, yeah. like, how do we get to this? How did? How do how do we stop with um all right here's 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 the end of the story. I was talking to one of my sons today, and um like I really believe that symbols are super tarnished, they can be tarnished so easily, right? Case in point, you've got a uh I believe a state senator from New York asking for and demanding that uh Andrew Cuomo, I almost call him Mario because <laughs> like that was his pop, but uh asking that he resign or demanding he resigns where this guy, the, this, the Republican Senator actually resigns because he's been caught up in some sexual harassment crap. And, you know, it's like overall. And if anybody's like wondering what pot, what's, what's the uh, dominating thought in my head, 
It's about principles. When did we stop becoming like not a country, but people of principles and understanding the difference between right and wrong and, and living to try our best, not that we're going to do it right all the time, actively to do right by ourselves and right by others. Because as I'm watching the news yesterday, I'm just thinking to myself, what? And then I almost got caught up in the whole, they got the suspect and dude walks out in handcuffs. I almost got on the bandwagon. Yeah. And then somebody on Twitter said, well, what about the guy in Philadelphia? Well, apparently there's a guy in Philadelphia that like clipped eight people and he surrendered. They didn't kill him. So it's not even, it's not even a race thing, right? It's that can't be the argument. The argument should be in this particular instance, gun control. Yeah. Let's stop it with the guns. Like, and to find out that not even, I guess on the 10th of March, a judge banned or actually dismissed the case that, uh, or dis- or said the law that Boulder, Colorado, uh, Boulder, Colorado had passed wasn't legal and this guy bought a gun like six days later and goes and he clips like 10 people that's a lot like in my head that's like a lot of strings to pull and i'm just like where are principles as a people not a country but as a people i don't know um you know like it's felt like we went a really long time without having to have one of these happen and it was only like a year i mean and not even right like yeah. i know that we had but it seemed like during the pandemic and the ensuing lockdowns and stuff like that that this type of event kind of took a pause Right. And now we're sitting here, you know, two, three events in the last couple of weeks. And I, I don't know. It's just, I, it's really frustrating because if, I mean, if none of the prior instances of mass shootings in this country have moved the politicians or the individual people, you know, to do something about this, then I don't know why any of these are going to make any difference, right? Like, I mean, is it just like, are we reaching a, you know, like a, a... point of capacity do we do we have to have a certain number of people that die before we finally go okay like now we'll finally do something about gun control like not you know sweeping eliminate all the guns but some sensible gun legislation and not let a bullshit organization like the nra or any of those other groups out there prevent us in this country from doing something that actually protects people. I mean, like it's, it's not funny that you say that I've been thinking it and saying it to myself, but uh, Charles Ramsey, uh, he's a former, former uh, Philadelphia police commissioner. Um, They were asking him about 
uh, Boulder, and his statement was basically, nothing's going to change. So after Columbine and all his, to paraphrase, and he used the word that it was probably, that struck me the most was all those babies died and we didn't do anything. So this is not going to affect people. So, you know, Commissioner Ramsey, I agree. Like I was sitting here in North Carolina going, yeah, I, I feel you. Like, I mean, think about the, the Colorado, the state of Colorado. Yeah. And there, I mean, three horrific events in the past 20 years alone that I that I can specifically recall being Columbine, the, you know, uh, theater shooting. And now this, you know, and it's like, <laughs> what? I, I don't even want to get into the political aspects of it. Like the, because those people don't, don't deserve to have their names mentioned alongside this tragic event. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, like it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, if you live in a state where you have a Senator who's opposed to gun control, why are we, why, why are you still allowing them to be in office? Like why, why are we doing this? So one would think that um, it was what Parkdale, Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one would think if you look at how our country normally responds, when things hit the suburbs, we kind of do a little bit of a twist. Aurora, whereas uh, Colorado is where the movie theater incident happened. Um, Boulder is a big suburb. Um, in Columbine, like that was in the middle of nowhere. Like that's not, you know, um, so my normal go-to of like, well, when it hits the suburbs, we'll do something different. I mean, Sandy Hook elementary kids, like, you know, and, and the response to that was those were paid actors. This was all a false flag incident. And I know that that wasn't everybody, but the fact that there was anybody out there. I, I, I don't have any room in my brain for the second amendment argument anymore. I I think it's kind of stupid. Um, I mean, we're watching disaster after disaster happen, whether that be ecological, you know, ecological events in in Texas, and there's no proper response from the government that we all pay to have jobs. They they don't have the benefit of the people in in their heart. Um, School shootings, mass shootings, they're they're pretty much domestic terrorism events, every every one of them. Uh, One six, we have another uh, two-digit date to think about and um, and kind of reconcile in our minds, you know, how do we remember those lost? Um, and we are the only country in the, in the world that has this problem. We literally, like New Zealand, I hear per capita, there's more gun owners than the States, but they have zero to none in mass shootings. Yeah. I mean, what, Australia had 
like the you know worst mass shooting in the history of their country when they had some white supremacist walked in and killed 51 people in a church. And it was New Zealand. New Zealand. Was that New Zealand? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, within six months, they had passed legislation. Or was it Australia? Yeah. I don't know. It was down under. Yeah. Yeah. Not not trying to offend either group because I know that they really hate being mistaken for the two, but yeah. I don't remember which one it was that I read. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know that Australia has, has had similar, you know, essentially gun bans. I mean, and that's that's the thing that I think is so ridiculous is that for for crying out loud, that's not even what we're talking about for the most part, right? Like we're saying, yeah, if you're going to go buy a gun, you should have to register the fact that you're purchasing that weapon. Like no different than, in my mind, registering to purchase, you know, when you purchase a car, right? Or to operate a vehicle, like, or having to have a license before you can, you know, I mean, like you have to have proof of insurance before you can go get your license, but, right? In North Carolina. like. But the, the fact of the matter is like, you don't even technically have to register the gun. Because right. if you think about how our financial system works, by the time I swipe my card, that business who reports our taxes 90% of the time, I, I can associate that transaction to uh, a person because it's all connected. Right. Well, and then um, and, it's the it's the background check less, you know, uh, gun show loopholes and all of these other things that have essentially been created as ways of a, you know, it's like, well, it, you know, take away guns from good people and only bad people will have guns. Not if you close the avenues for those bad people to get guns. Like, right. that's part of the idea here, people, is... <sighs> Where do where do we live at that everybody has to own a weapon? I don't like know. that's that's my question. I don't like, know. I, I, I don't like, get it either. <laughs> like I think we've <laughs> talked about it before. I have a a twenty two gauge rifle. It's an ancient Winchester that was my grandfather's. The thing hasn't been fired in fifty plus years, probably. Like, and it sits in a box in a closet. That's not like for home protection. That's that's a family heirloom is what that is. And it's literally the only reason that I have a gun. Like right. I've, I've been to the shooting range. I enjoy shooting firearms. Like I think, yeah, like I get, you know, the, like the enjoyment that people get out of it. And I'm not opposed to, you know, people who are smart, sensible gun owners, you know, who understand like, yeah, I don't need an RPG to protect myself, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's I just I don't know. It's like so many things in this country and it's not exclusive to this country, but in this case, this seems to be something that we cannot solve that most other places have figured out at this point. But it's like we just got to take everything to the extreme, right? Well, this this is how People used to live, you know, this is how, well, this is what the founding fathers wanted was, you know, my freaking bunker filled with, you know, like high capacity magazines and stuff like this, that they wanted mass shootings on a weekly basis across this country. Like that's what was, was the intention of the second amendment. I would argue that the second amendment would, uh, be reflected in the fact that there is a most states have a national guard 
Um, I, I would argue that um, that there weren't 50 states when the Constitution was written. I would argue that there wasn't the looming threat of uh, British rule in the country. Uh, to be fair, that threat is still looming. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm pretty sure the the royal family would do anything to take eyes off of, you know, the... <laughs> The racism themselves right now, so they might just very well try and recolonize <laughs> the Americas. <laughs> and you know what? They'd be smart about it too, because they'd start in New Jersey, and we'd be like, "You can have that." <laughs> and then they're prime, prime, primely positioned to take over New York. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> we'll blow those bridges. No, but you're right. Like, there. I mean, ultimately, the citizenry is not going to be our last line of defense from an invasion. Like, right. if the army doesn't do it, chances are we won't be able to do it either. I mean, I know that people they love Red Dawn so much they had to do a remake. Um, but, and the remake was awful. Um, and the remake was racist. <laughs> so let me, let me, I, don't, I can't believe, anyway, but that's a whole other story. Uh, it's just a matter of, it, it goes back to where are the principles, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, like the thing that, Colorado is, it annoys me. What infuriates me was Georgia. Like, even with people losing their lives, the racists had to speak up. And these racists are, well, well, maybe it shouldn't because they are U.S. representatives and we do have racist people that live in this country. So they should have, you know, representation also. But their voice shouldn't be the only voice we hear. I don't know that I agree with that, but okay. Well, I mean, the 14th district of Georgia. I mean, uh, no. Uh, I look, what I'm what I'm saying is, I don't know that I agree that just because there are racist people in this country that they somehow should have racist representation and therefore in our government. But I know, well, I know, I understand what you're saying. The chances yeah. are, because of the resounding. Uh, percentage of this country that seems to feel that some level of racism is a-okay yeah we're gonna have some racist ass uh lawmakers as well yeah and, I, and i'm just i'm kind of fed up with that it's and i heard this korean pastor say um you know to paraphrase in this instance we shouldn't pretend like everything is the same as yesterday and we should actually take action so whole thoughts and prayers crap and i said it a couple weeks ago i don't want your thoughts and prayers if your thoughts and prayers aren't leading to wisdom which leads you to better actions keep them to yourself like and i I get that it makes everybody feel a little bit better it's like changing your avatar to uh, you know paris or whatever i don't care when peru is drowning because of floods People weren't doing that for Peru. Right. When we have homeless kids in the States, we don't uh, think about how we can, you know, help those kids out. When we, There's a lot of things where it's like, look, I don't want your thoughts and prayers. Yeah. I, I don't want you to apologize. I want you to change your behavior. 
<laughs> no, but I mean, but you're absolutely right. Like it's, I think it's beyond frustrating at this point. Not because it's not even just this, and not just like these incidents, but like this continued, you know, belief in this country. This continued level of of kind of like. Well, if everybody else is going to just throw their hands up at principles, I guess I might as well too. You know, like that's where I, and it's, I don't know that we're any worse off now than we have been previously in, in that regard. You know, I think like there's been a lot of groupthink here in this country for a long time. I mean, talk about like the. Chris, it's cyclical. No, it's, I, I it mean, has, yeah. it has no, there's like, there's no historical marker that says that this will not change get better for a little bit and then happen again right that is the part that frustrates me it's like what else do we need to have happen that we wake up and realize that we're on the we as a as a country are on the wrong side of history i mean we we had somebody who tried to get on an airplane with explosives in his shoes and now we have to take off our shoes every time we want to get on an airplane. <laughs> he didn't even succeed. But because he tried, every single time that you want to get on an airplane, you're going to take off your shoes, unless you're a kid or an elderly person. Right. Yet, I mean, I can't, I don't even know the number over the last two years of these mass shooting incidents that we've had in this country and literally nothing outside of thoughts and prayers has been done. Yeah. Keep your thoughts and prayers. I mean, I'm with you. Like I I don't want to hear it anymore. Like I'm so sick and tired of that. If we are, if we are not committed to the actions necessary to change things and prevent these types of incidents from happening in the future then there's literally no point in talking about it right nothing else matters it's it's frustrating um and i you know i watched the news last night because uh like i i've been really trying to not be around social media not be around the news because it's it's kind of depressing at some points, but I'm a big boy, right? Yeah. Um, and when I turned the news yesterday, like it's, uh, oh, gunshots in the shopping center. I'm like, are, are, are we doing this again? <laughs> like we, we, we are really not trying to, but what was weird was the amount of police presence in this location that quick. It blew my mind. And what blew my mind, not that I want, I don't wish ill will on anybody, but no. this guy walked out, the guy from Philadelphia walked out. Like these are people, and this is not a racing for me, but it's like, and I, I believe people are redeemable, but come on guys. Like somebody in Philly clips eight people. This guy clips 10 people. Like we, we are not thinking with our best foot forward, but we have people. Con- we have the you know the guy in Atlanta, guy in Atlanta, eight people, six people, I believe, six or eight, for no apparent reason. 
And for the police chief to say he's having a bad day, for the fact that, you know, oh, we're going to give him his pass if he's a sex addict and he, he had a bad day. That's just, that's just disgusting. So in three weeks, three, like roughly three weeks, give or take, because I don't, I don't know exactly when the Philadelphia incident happened. It's yeah. happened to, I actually found it because somebody on Twitter said he was a counter to somebody's point of, oh, a white guy walks out in handcuffs and not dead. It's like now. What about this guy in Philly? And I'm like, oh crap, that actually that's a thing. Can we also just say like one case does not make <laughs> <laughs> this is not a trend. <laughs> yeah, mate. Like, yeah, okay, that one you know armed black guy. But you know, forget all of the uh, the, the variation would be that Philly's not a predominantly white city, right? So that doesn't go over very well as it would in, in Boulder, right? Uh, it doesn't go over well in whatever county in Georgia. Like those things are, uh, those are variables you have to kind of, uh, you know, acknowledge. It's yeah. just, it's just confusing. It's frustrating. No, but um, I mean, it is, it is one of those things where it's like, you know, there's more, there's more care and attention put into preserving the lives of the people that are taking these actions than there is to prevent these people from being able to take those actions in the first place. You're not wrong. Right? I mean... It's time for politics. The the guy that used to drive the car is going to open up his own social media network. <laughs> and I want him to do nothing more than fail and everything else he does the rest of his life. Um, so continue the pattern that he's... <laughs> Yeah, do what you're successful at. Um, I just think I just think it's going to be interesting to see how much more vitriol will come out of his mouth. Um, I actually saw a news clip earlier today before we started talking that um, he didn't like being called ex-president on Fox News. Like, dude, but that's a fact. Uh, yeah. Like, you technically are the ex-president. Well, no, um, he's the president in exile. <laughs> He's been exiled from the White House down to Mar-a-Lago. Gosh. I. Which, by the way, I don't know if you saw had to close, at least partially yeah. because of a COVID-19 <laughs> outbreak. Here's what I, I think the country needs. We just need to get really good at addressing evil. Yeah. We don't want to indict people as being you know, purveyors of evil and just evil incarnate. But we should get really good at just addressing, like, evil for what it is people can make mistakes yes i believe that yeah but we need to get super quickly that's tiny that's not even good grammar was like you get, only get so many opportunities to show who you really are yeah i mean i don't know the fact that there are still people out there who legitimately want to defend him um I'm with you. I cannot imagine that this does not end the way that all of his other exploits have gone, where he, you know, he talks a big game and he gets some people very excited. He takes their money and goes somewhere else with it. I mean, because well, that's all it, you know, what he's going to do is he's going to sell all of that data. 
it'll be worse than Facebook, Instagram, you know, Twitter, <laughs> um, LinkedIn, and Pinterest combined <laughs> in terms of the amount of raw data. Raw data, like the 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 attempt to monetize their users. Because that's all it's going to be. It's just another money grab. And the fact that people don't see that. I mean, the dude is literally putting out press releases from the office of the former president as though they are tweets. But he doesn't call himself the former president. No, but you know what I mean? Like they have that whole this seal and he and he has his official letterhead and all this bull. And he he's literally talking about like the vaccine. I hope everybody remembers that I'm the one that came up with the name Operation Warp Speed. I was like, I want it to go very fast. What's something that goes very fast? And my son was like, warp speed. And I was like, no, warp speed. You gotta you you gotta work in your dump impression because uh, I think that'll be No, I don't want to. That'll be gold. Because the um, truth of the matter is. He's not relevant in that way anymore. You know, like, yes, there are there are things that we still need to deal with. Um, but I'm just like, I'm not. I've realized I think, something I that think, it is such a better world when I don't have to think about that guy on a regular basis. I think by the end of the year, his rele- irrelevancy will be more potent. Yes. Like, I, I, I don't think he's able to. Uh, finagle his way or, or con people into thinking he's relevant. I agree. I think the one of the worst things that could happen would, in my mind, be for the news media outlets to pay him more attention in an attempt to get viewership back to some level, you know, prior to his exit from the White House. Um, because I think legitimizing him in that way does no good in any way, shape or form. I'm not saying that it's going to do anything like, I don't think you're going to make him the next president again. Right? Like, I don't think you're going to legitimize him to the point, but it, it says something to those people when you keep cutting away to, you know, this guy at some press conference at his golf course, you know, that's where it's like, why, why on earth do we need to hear anything out of his mouth anymore other than I'm guilty. Like if it's not those words, <laughs> then I don't know what we care about. I mean, I'm like, I, or if it's, or if it's specifically pertaining to that, you know, like, I mean, yeah. what ultimately should be the trial of an ex president, a criminal trial. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> unless it's I'm guilty. You got nothing. B. <laughs> I mean, that's, I just don't know what else he could ever utter. No apology, right? No reconciliation. There's no coming back from what he's, from the choices that he's made. I mean, that, oh, I, I, I'm with you, bro. I know like, you I are, and I, but I, but that's, but I, I am, I am somewhat fearful that there is this, like, you know, thirst for the attention that was paid to politics during the Donald Trump era. So fun fact, 24% of Americans identify as Republicans. I think it's close to 30% identify as Democrats and the remainder independents. That's 
that's interesting in my mind because it changes the whole um it changes the like outcomes of a lot of like future elections right and those numbers have actually dropped for Demo- I mean for Republicans and increased for Democrats not by well, I guess within the margin of error right yeah. They're the people that are attracted to the message of the former guy are an even even smaller subset of that twenty four to twenty six percent because they don't vote. <laughs> <laughs> but I say all to say this: I was watching uh, SNL's uh, Black Jeopardy with Tom Hanks on it, and. What I always say about jokes and lies, right? With every every good joke has got a little bit of truth in it. And every lie has got a smaller fraction of that. I noticed in that particular clip, if you haven't watched it, you should ch- totally check it out. They have Tom Hanks as a, uh, a MAGA supporter and some like uh, Leslie Jones and Negum Odom. I can't, I can't pronounce her first name, but she's, pretty funny and uh keen i'm like yeah this is gonna be funny and i've watched this like four times but today what rang out to me was that yo people see these two groups black people and maga supporters the same way like when you really think about the ingenious part of these of the of the jokes in this in this clip watch it that's your homework watch it and I, I was like, that's interesting. And I've said for a while, like the best way to separate people without being racist, like overtly racist is by, uh, you know, financial means. And it's been a ongoing thing that people say that, you know, most Trump supporters are lower income people. Most blacks typically make less money than whites. The things that they like agreed on in these jokes or things that if you look at it holistically, if you look at it honestly, are commonalities. Right. But who's playing us against each other? We have things that are in common that if you if we really thought about it, it still makes sense on why this guy got elected. Yeah. It still makes sense why, you know, people on that part of the argument were attracted to this candidate. Yes. How do we get beyond that? It's a very telling clip. It's funny, but the truth in the jokes is actually pretty disgusting. Yeah. I mean, and I, it, it would be possibly less disgusting if it were something new. Right. Right. But that type of division for the goal of, with the, essentially the goal being to prevent unity like that's it that's all it really boils down to is pit them against each other so that they they don't realize that there's more of them than there are of us right and as long as i can prevent them from realizing that then i'm going to remain in control and that's what we basically have you know is is that i mean over the past year, the wealth gap 
has only grown exponentially. Right. You know, places like Walmart and Amazon just line their pockets with money over the last, you know, year and change while your mom and pop shops closed up left and right. Right? Your individually owned restaurants, most of which probably didn't need to be open in the first place, but still. <laughs> and what did the government do? Right? We're going to create a program that ultimately more large businesses and enterprises are going to be able to take advantage of right. than smaller ones. And then we're going to double down and reintroduce that program without any additional safeguards <laughs> to prevent what happened last time from happening again. It's, I don't know, like it's, it's, I get that not everybody wants to see it, you know, that it is, it can be easy to get caught up in that us versus them mentality that, that they try to so vehemently pit us, you know, put us in. Um, but I just, I mean, like at some point we all just kind of got to wake up and go like, guys, this is wrong. You know, like you were talking about at the beginning of this episode, like the principles here at the end of the day, we're hurting more people than we're helping, you know, like we're, we're putting more people in incredibly disadvantageous, disadvantaged, disadvantaged <laughs> positions. I was like doing like a mental. Yeah, I know. That was... <laughs> It looks like you're trying to say the word disadvantaged. <laughs> it's like the little clippy pops up. Uh, I don't know. It's I am sick of it. I want to figure out how we can move forward and make the changes necessary. And I think, you know, part of it is absolutely looking at what the what your representatives are doing. You know, the people that are currently in office and the people who are running against them and keep voting people out that aren't doing the things that they say they're going to do and keep trying to vote people in that you think are going to do. And if push comes to shove, I guess, worst case scenario, go get involved yourself, you know, see yeah. what you can do. It may, you know, because I I'm with you and that this isn't going to come from, you know, the office of the president down. This isn't going to come from the Senate. Like this is going to start at the local and state and, you know, those levels and work its way up until there's an overwhelming majority at that point that says, all right, well, you know, 30 of the 50 states at this point have these types of things in place. I guess we just need to make this a national mandate. Well, the, the thing is, it goes back to that, uh, getting that number of float states to 20, from 22-ish to 12 to 15, yeah. right? Then you, you change the balance of power. It gets to, on a, uh, a more tactical level, and of basically having those tough conversations and actually doing the work to uh, figure out what that looks like going forward. You know, we can't, you know, like listening to that Korean pastor, you know, make that statement made me think that, um, you know, when, when the, the, the marches over the summer happened, there were a lot of non-black people marching 
Hispanic, um, Asian, white, um, everybody else. It was happening globally. So we know that there are more people that are concerned about these issues. It's just that, are we willing to do the work? Um, and I, I just, I don't want your thoughts and prayers. I want you to do something different. You know, I, I really keep them. Like that's, that's basically what that boils down to. Yeah. You can keep your thoughts and prayers. If, if who you're praying to doesn't give you wisdom and, and courage to do the right thing and to align around your principles, then I, I don't need what you're selling. I mean, FFS, <laughs> if your thoughts and prayers haven't fixed the problem yet, do you really think that it's going to solve it this time? Right. Well, the theological part of me says the answer is maybe. <laughs> I mean, the reality is sometimes you pray and you're asked to do something you think you can't do. Sure. So be a little bit more courageous, right? Um, so, you know, the whole answered prayer debate in my, my mind, sometimes it's like, yeah, go do this. Right. Well, I can't. Well, you ask me for, <laughs> you ask me for wisdom. I'm telling you to go do this. Well, I can't, I'm afraid. Well, then be that as it may, this is where you are. Um, I mean, we so talked I, about it on the, the last episode, I think, or maybe it was episode 55 when we were <laughs> the one that I had edited. <laughs> um, but talking about, you know, like the amount of time that passed in the story, uh, you know, of Noah and the building of the ark, right? If I, and it's like, that wasn't like overnight. Right. And <laughs> this is one of those situations where it's like, I just, I don't know. My comment about thoughts and prayers was more to the effect of like, if it hasn't gotten you off your ass to do something about it yet. Then, no, but yeah, then, it, then it, then it, yeah. I mean, it ultimately has no value. It's not that I, you know. Yeah, and I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying that for those of those for those people out there with their thoughts and prayers, maybe your thoughts, the answer you're getting is something that you haven't found the courage to do. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that I don't have the courage to do, and I work through those things. There are things in my personal life and my spiritual life where it's like, yeah, I'm not ready to do that because <laughs> I'm just not. And that's okay. Well, to an extent, it's okay. But we've got to, we can't throw around these words. Words have power. You know, we've heard, I know I've heard of the news, like words have consequences. They, they do. But you can't say your, you know, your thoughts and prayers and you do nothing different. Right. Um, you can't say you're, you're willing to make big changes if you're not going to be willing to sacrifice your comfort for those big changes. Um, and I'll end it with this. When we, when we look at the movements that we often reflect back to, even in contemporary times, you know, uh, Mother Teresa, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. Uh, you said Malcolm X? Ma Malcolm X. <laughs> Malcolm X. That's racist. I was like, jeez. Uh, <laughs> Gandhi, you know, there's, you know, the uh, Dalai Lama, right? We look at these people as, um, forget their faith traditions, but we look at them in a way of making big change, 
it's one person. Rosa Parks, one person, you know, but they inspire multiples to do something different. That's what I'm saying. It's like, do we not have the right people in leadership? Are we as individuals weaker than what we believe we are? Do we not have guiding principles and values that actually are not just for our own benefit, but for those of others, ourselves, our families, our friends? That's a simple question, but it's not about having, you know, 10,000 people to agree with you. It's about having 10,000 people to say, yeah, that makes sense. We should do this, right? I, I'm uncomfortable. If you look at what Martin Luther King did to the Jim Crow South, like think about that. That's like one person that says, no, we're swimming downstream and that's bad. We should swim upstream on this issue. We'll be okay. And to change, to get people to change their viewpoint on what it meant to be an American, black or white or indifferent in this country was huge. One person with the help of others, but it just blows my mind. Where are our principles? I don't care how many followers I have on social media, right? But I do care that the things I say are consistently trying to align with the, the right principles and values. And hopefully enough people can say, hey, that's something to think about. And then we can inspire other people to think the same way. That's what I'm saying. Where are our principles? Why don't we, I, why, why are we debating is the border issue a crisis or not a crisis? Why is that a conversation? Because those are the distractions that we have allowed ourselves to be consumed with in the past. I think in a lot of cases. You know, not not that it's right, but that that's what's worked. You know, well, and so it's, it's stupid. It is, um, and we have to, on an individual basis, have to be able to see through that. You yeah. know, um, and it's you know, it's not in my mind. It's not this like that. There's this evil media, you know, cabal out there that's out to get us. It is just look at the facts. Folks, what is a television company ultimately trying to do? Sell advertising, right? Make money. What's gonna what are they ultimately going to do then? Whatever it is that's going to help them sell the most advertising, which means what's gonna get them the most eyeballs. It's not ethical news, not right now. Right. <laughs> right? Like I think again, voting with your wallets, stop watching CNN, stop watching you know, MSNBC, like whatever it may be that you don't agree with, stop watching it. Like I stopped engaging with Fox News, right? Not right. not even like because I would tune to Fox News on my TV, but like I stopped watching clips on YouTube. Yeah. Because it's just like, no, I don't want them to f – I don't want to – There we go. I don't want to contribute to their relevancy. Right. You know, like I don't I don't want to spread Fox News stories that are ridiculous and be like, look at how ridiculous this is, because what is that doing? Driving clicks. Right. You know I mean, like silly analogy, but because I have to bring everything back to NC State uh, and I haven't mentioned them at all. This podcast. And uh, I haven't mentioned 
Carolina. I, mean. <laughs> I wasn't even going to bring that up. Um, but yeah, it's. Ask me why I watched the Snyder Cut. Because <laughs> you had nothing else to watch. Um, oh, what was I going with the NC State thing? Dang it. Nope. It's gone. It was going to be good, too. Like I was going to wrap it all up. I had to knock that stupid cord out. This, this happens price. This, like too often in my life at the age of 36. This is priceless. Like, I'm loving this. I'm like, what's I know this you're not even bothering trying to help me. Because like, it's, it's hilarious. It's He's like having a senior moment. Call yeah. me old. One, call me old one more time. I, I never <laughs> called you. Wait, yes, I did. Oh man. Anyways, uh, it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh NC State. Yeah. <laughs> we got it rough. Let me put it that way. God. What was oh, I even man. talking about though? Uh NC State, uh you're not giving you're not gonna spread the ridiculous stories from Fox News. Thank you. Oh my god, now you bring it back. All right, so I don't know if anybody else is familiar with this guy. <laughs> But there is this sports broadcaster, Jeff Goodman, right? I think he works for Fox Sports. Yeah. Maybe. Anyways, this dude has had it out for NC State and their fan base ever since the whole, like, Herb Sendek leaving for Arizona State stuff. I don't know what, if him and Herb were, like, best friends (laughs) or what. But the guy has just, like, constantly taken every opportunity to just, like, stick it to NC State fans and all this stuff. And I realize what it is, is it's like, you know, people are like, why is everybody always picking on State? And I'm like, because you guys are a bunch of freaking clickbait idiots. Like, yeah, he says something, and what do you do? You retweet it with, I can't believe Jeff Goodman said this about NC State. And then 15 other people join it, are like, you're such a troll, blah, blah, blah. Duh, that's exactly what he's trying to do. He just wants you to share it and to tweet it and to comment on it. He doesn't care what you're personally attacking him on because he doesn't even believe in what he's saying. It's all just bait. And you guys don't get it. Dang it. I'd been really good up to that point right there. Um, but that's I we, like, I do. We, we I, can leave one in. We can, yeah, leave, we one can in. leave one. That still gets us a PG 13 rating. <laughs> we just, we have to save it for the, for the good one. Um, but yeah, so I just, I think to some degree it, it, it boils down to that where it's like, you know, they're the news media understands what's going to drive clicks and it's not always going to be the ethical thing to do to talk about it in that sense. Right. That, it's going to make more sense to, to, you know, I mean, like running the freaking the, the number of coronavirus deaths on screen 24-7 on CNN, right? Do I need to have an up-to-the-minute counter, you know? Actually, probably you do. I don't think I do. I don't think that and that's number, a personal. That's, yeah. a per, that's a personal choice. I think that there – I think – so I will say this. You have Fox, MSNBC – and if you watch CNN, you probably have a decent story. Right? Yeah. Oh. I see the bias in CNN. 
there are some people where it's kind of like, eh, you, you may have a motive. I don't hold it against them the way I do MSNBC and Fox News. Okay. And that's, and that's excluding the other two fringe groups on the right. Um, Why don't you hold it against CNN the same way? Because at the end of the day, whether it's because of the fact they've lost enough lawsuits, they underst- I think they understand their role in cable news now. I think they, as, as a national news provider, they've learned a better way of trying to kind of pass their bias and report the news. Um, and that's all in the, in the types of questions they ask. It's all about the pressing questions and the follow-ups they ask. Um, I think MSNBC and Fox are in their own world. And, and I, I think that they really thrive off the sensationalism. I think more so, yes. You know, yeah. I think I. The problem with the news is when they don't communicate all the facts, right? So right. you can't have it both ways. You can't have it to where, um, and I've had my fill of CN, CNN since COVID. Uh, it's probably my go-to channel, even more so than CNBC and everything else, right? I probably listen to three to four hours of news a day at least. And I I would actually say they're getting on par with less bias information where I would actually rate them. And it's only been since COVID close to an NPR or an AP. Um, well, and I think, you know, the other important thing to understand is the dis- distinguishing between the news programming and the opinion programming, right? right? I mean, like we've talked about before, with um, Don Lemon and some of those other guys where it's like, yeah, you, you have them as a news anchor and then you have them as an opinion editor, essentially. Right. And where I think MSNBC and Fox News have probably been much more comfortable blurring those lines. You know, CNN, while at times probably allowing some level of bias to influence I think you're right. Probably uh, of those three, especially tries to play it as close to neutral as possible. Right. Um, and I look, I, I threw CNN in there simply because they are a part of that whole. I still contribute a lot of like this, the the kind of desire for this 24 hour news network or this 24 hour news. news cycle to this, you know, the, the, the kind of CNN, you know, and maybe it's not. It's not right to attribute it exclusively to them, but... But remember, I remember when CNN started. I remember when MSNBC launched. MSNBC, when they launched, they weren't the MSNBC today. Right. You could actually flip CNN and and, uh, MSNBC, like, where they were, like, in 93, 92, right? Um, Where MSNBC came out very news-heavy, and... You know, you have a Larry King, you have a Pierce Morgan, you have all these personalities on CNN, MSNBC wanted some of that, right? Fox News wasn't as sensationalized back in the day. I never watched it because I just didn't really care. Yeah. Um, But the progression of the two networks is I'd rather them stick to journalism, you know? Well, and Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the reason for the divergence of those other two networks was that CNN had kind of eaten up a lot of the middle. Yeah. 
you know? And so it was like, well, there's only but so much audience in the middle for us to compete over. Instead of us fighting over that, why don't I go court the nutsos over here on the right? (laughs) I'll go court the crazies on the left. Like... Yeah, and, and and I think that's probably why CNN like it becomes a target because there are, there are more reasonable people than unreasonable people. Right, but then it's you know it's all this oh you probably get your news from CNN from either side and it's like well yeah I mean I don't get my news from Fox News or uh, MSNBC so some of it comes from CNN. You're right, like but there there again I think you know ultimately like it's. Use your freaking brain at the end of the day, you know, like, like have some, some critical thinking skills that you can apply to the things that you're reading. Like I can read a CNN article and say the inter- the information that's presented in here is really interesting, right? Yeah. I can also read it in a CNN article and go get like two paragraphs in and go, is this an opinion piece? And scroll back up to the top and go, opinion, bye. And I'm like, okay, like at least now, like, you know, because you get into it and you're like, all right, I'm not feeling a whole lot of hard news facts here. I was literally going to say that by the second paragraph, I've decided how much more of this I need. Yeah. Right. And sometimes Uh, it's an opinion piece that I'm interested in, you know, like I want to want to read the rest. And sometimes I'm like, okay, this isn't what I'm looking for. You know, like I'm, I'm looking for actual reporting on this incident. I stay away from it. I actually canceled my subscription to the Washington Post. Um, I don't like opinion pieces. I really don't care about your opinion. I just, I really want to be able to decide the, my, my own opinion. And hopefully most of that's based on fact. Um, because the opinion pieces are often, they're, they're so intelligently written, you might believe them as being true. Sure. Um, and I just Unlike don't Unlike wanna... Sidney Powell's uh, claims... <laughs> she says any reasonable person we're all going to take the tucker carlson defense like that's going to no, be that's, I-, I mean i think we're about to find out just how much water that defense holds <laughs> um because there's going to be a lot of dams built with that defense and yeah. i think they're going to spring quite a few leaks because yeah. you know it's one thing to say this is my opinion and it's another to repeatedly claim that you have the evidence no you have facts facts yeah have we have facts, facts right? on our side, but I mean, literally, like we have the evidence. We have, I have stacks, stacks yeah. of affidavits. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's that's not even sketch. That's like that's that's a whole other conversation. It is. That's for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm super glad that we actually got to talk tonight. That's dope. Um, the Montana in the background is. Uh, uh, he's creeping what? it's kind of it's like i'm it's weirding me out so i, I keep looking over here because I'm like i don't want to see my <laughs> you know that uh, i put in there just for you tonight i i don't appreciate it I so <laughs> <laughs> we're super glad you guys uh joined us tonight uh new thing fun thing we're on youtube now uh hit us go to youtube search for chris and andre's show uh, we're still in SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Play. Uh, if you have your own RSS like tool, you can grab our feed from our site at the Chris and Andre sh- at Chris and show dot com. Send us an email at the Chris and Andre show at gmail dot com. 
Follow us on Twitter at Chris and Andre, and I believe on Facebook at Chris and Andre also, right? Yeah, we actually posted something to both Twitter and Facebook when I uh, finally remembered <laughs> that I had the YouTube episode published, but had not added the title or description. Um, so I finally got around to doing that. So yeah, um, Facebook has been ever so slightly more active. Um, Twitter's been a little quiet because you have been staying off of the social media on that side. Um, I don't have any particular interest in picking it up, so that may just be <laughs> where that stays for now. But um, hopefully we'll have some more stuff that we do get at least promo-wise coming out, um, whether it's more episodes uh, getting posted to YouTube, new episodes finally getting edited, um, some other potential developments in the works a little further <laughs> down the line that maybe we'll talk about one day. Yeah. We've got one project that uh, shortly soon, I'd say uh, in the next month or so, we'll start working on. And um, that's going to be exciting. Uh, our goal is not uncommon. I think that be, you know being platform independent is dope. And more people should be able to do that. And we're going to continue working on our experiment of how we can push the limits of a platform independent podcast. Um, yeah. So exciting stuff coming in the next, uh, I'd say, give or take the next two and a half months, we'll have something exciting to share with you guys. So, so probably by the time to- you actually hear this episode. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but we're glad you joined us as always i'm andre and i'm chris and we'll talk to you soon